Hey, beautiful soul fam. Welcome to a brand new and very heart-healing episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I'm your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and you are in for a chocolatey sacred treat today as I sit with a dear sister, Florencia Friedman. And Florencia is a cacao ceremonialist and educator, and she co-founded Cacao Laboratory with her brother. This conscious business brings integrity and love-filled cacao, along with ceremonial and educational offerings to the world, all while aiming to bridge the gap between modern societies and indigenous communities. And I've known Florencia for a number of years, and her heart and devotion to her work and path are very pure. And she's quite a master at keeping everything, quote-unquote, in check doing her very best to share the way of cacao she's been taught by Guatemalan elders, including Nana Marina Cruz, a Mayan wisdom keeper from the Sudahil community, who are the keepers and guardians of ceremonial cacao, while also sharing it with the world in the way her mission is designed to. So yes, we definitely cover a lot of important ground around cacao, what it is, why it's known as the food of the gods, why it's such an incredibly powerful heart medicine, we also dive into her first experience communing with the spirit of cacao and how it called to her so deeply, the do's and don'ts of a cacao ceremony, and much more. We also dive into what Mayan Cosmovision is, her reverent connection with wolf power animal. Florencia is actually one of the 25 incredible global contributors for my book, Animal Power, which is a luxe compendium brimming with 100 vibrant illustrations, transformative practices, and captivating stories from around the world. It's an enlightening guide to the power of the animal realm, where you will discover rituals, meditations, and visualizations to connect with 100 remarkable animals and learn the messages they have for you. And Animal Power is available now wherever books are sold, but if you head to my website, alisoncharles.com backslash animalpower, you can enter your receipt code from your book purchase and you will get a free video guided shamanic journey led by me to meet the power animal who most wants to support your life at this time. And Florencia and I also chat pretty in depth about the Sapara Nation, an indigenous group with less than 600 peoples remaining. You can learn how you can support them and much more. And with every episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast, at the end, the guest shares a brief ceremony or ritual and today, Florencia shares a beautiful blessing. We're having a glass of water, a cup of tea, or cacao with you will be ideal. So if you want to prep that now, go for it. But if you're all set, let us now enter the land of the food of the gods with cacao ceremonialist Florencia Friedman. Okay, dear sister Florencia, it is our time. It's been a little while since we've seen each other. It has been, but you're always present. I, I love being able to witness all that you're creating and the beautiful medicine that you're bringing to the world. Mm. Thank you, sister. Yeah, and I guess even though we haven't seen each other's faces, like we have been emailing because you were a part of the Animal Power book that I just birthed, and I wasn't intending to start from this place, but I guess it's just what feels like it's organically uh, bubbling up inside of me. You shared your beautiful story about your connection to the wolf and 
It was really, really powerful. And um, perhaps we'll get more in detail with your share and your connection to that animal at the end. But I just want to thank you now for being one of those really, really 25 special contributors that brought your your personal wisdom. And um, it just really added this whole additional layer of aliveness and medicine to the book. So thank you for your generosity, sister. Thank you. It's such an honor to be able to understand, you know, not just the messages of the animals and their spirits, but also our our relationships with them and how they can guide us through this human experience in such a profound way. Yeah, they really truly are brothers and sisters. And that's one of the intentions I have for the book is you know, for people to just remember, because we we all, of course, have that sense of remembrance within us that we are no higher than or better than the the animal world. We're we're equal. If anything, I would deem them, you know, our teachers and our guides. But they are certainly, at the very least, our our brothers and sisters. And uh, yeah, so I hope as the people who purchase animal power open up that living, breathing altar of a medicine book and and see the beautiful illustrations that go with each of the 100 animals and really start to just take in all the transmissions that that remembrance of us being one big family will come alive inside of them. So, okay. I'm so excited for this because as I was feeling into this interview, even though we've known each other for, you know, a good number of years and have shared some beautiful space together, it really hit me that in the time that we've shared, I haven't really chatted with you about your background and your journey, which makes it perfect for this interview because now I get to find out all the questions that I have. And so I actually want to start there with your own personal journey. And I was curious for you, was there a specific moment in time where you started to really have an awareness of the spiritual side of life? Or are you one of those people that upon incarnation, you never really lost that awareness and it only just grew. Because for me, I had a veil lifting and whole life changed and a cataclysmic moment. How did it work for you? Well, my mom is a very curious soul and she, although grew up Catholic, she also was um, studying a lot of the Hindu traditions. Uh, My family is a devotee of Sai Baba, which is a guru from India. Um, My mom also explored Osho uh, and his teachings. So although she was never following strictly one lineage, she was always connecting with different leaders and vehicles that were bringing her to the connection to spirit. So we grew up listening to a lot of the Osho meditations and understanding that there was something more than this physical reality. That was a common language in our home. Oh, I love that. And so I'm hearing chants. Did were you were there like different music and chants playing? Do you guys did you guys ever chant together or yeah, we definitely chanted in the mornings and in the evenings, but also did a lot of laughter meditations and crying meditations. So a lot of releasing. We do a lot of breath work as well. My family does a modality of breath work called rebirthing. So my first breathwork experience was at the age of eight. 
And it was very profound, but it's always been tools, right, that have guided me through the process of forgetting and remembering. Because I think even when we're on the spiritual path, the illusion of forgetting, I think, is a powerful teacher as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Yeah, if we, I think in any given day, kind of left a little hash mark in a journal for how many times we were aware that we just fell back asleep or just went unconscious. You know, I, I think on any given day, there would be a fair amount of hash hash marks on the page. And I'm curious if you could dive a little bit more into that rebirthing technique. So that first time at eight, was it your mom who facilitated that or how did that open up for you? So my aunt was facilitating. My aunt, my mom, my brother, and a few of my cousins as well as myself are rebirthers. And this is a modality that started in the 60s by Lerner Orr, who um, started doing this breath work, which is um, inhaling and exhaling through the nose, a circular breath. And normally it was done in water, representing the womb of our mother. And so it's bringing you to explore the subconscious mind. And when we have certain traumatic experiences, they stay with us on a cellular level. And we begin to continue reliving those experiences. And the purpose of that is really to understand how that blueprint has affected us, right? So through this process of rebirthing, you're able to dive into the different trauma that has moved through our life. And eventually some of us can reach the process of our birth, which is one of the biggest traumatic experiences. I mean, we're so safe in the womb of our mother and all of a sudden we're out in this world alone. So it's a really powerful experience to begin to understand how do we begin to clean our slate from the limiting conditions and meet ourselves in the present moment. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. A lot was coming up as you were just sharing that little bit. Um, I can really feel, yeah, the depths and magnitude and potency of it. And one reflection that came up, which Luke has shared about publicly, so I'm not sharing anything that he would be uncomfortable with, but he really, so Luke, my fiance, for any of you who are new to me or new to the show, Luke's story is my fiance. And um, yeah, as he has gone through his evolutionary work and his healing processes throughout many years, this lifetime, one marked moment that revealed for him was the moment of his birth. And I forget in what ceremony or journey, I don't remember the setting he was in when this revealed to him, but it definitely took him back. And he like saw himself having just been born, I believe. I might be getting some of this a little off. And I think he's might have seen his mom and then he saw a, a part of his um right after his birth being taken away and like put into a little incubator by himself and and his mom had never told him this but he called her after this journey and asked her you know did this happen you know because this is what i saw and she's like oh my gosh that's exactly what happened and anyways the more he started to unpack it that being whisked away and um, that sense of just being so utterly alone at the precise moment of incarnating, like you said, into this like very different dimension and energetic uh, realm really was very traumatic for him. And so going back to that origin point, 
of birth and um, really looking at that and, and yeah, going into the different threads and waves and waters of that piece has provided some of the biggest healing of his whole life. So I can see how this particular breath work could be of such service. And is this something uh, that you still offer or do you just do it in your personal life? So I facilitated with certain people that I feel called to sharing. It's not something that I do all the time, but it's a practice that has been with me. I mean, I'm 31 now, so it's been with me for you know over two decades. And I feel like it's a service that, that comes when certain people are, are going through a lot of experiences <clears throat> where they can't necessarily find quite what it is, but they know that there's a blockage. Mm. Uh, but my mom facilitates it on a regular basis. So it's, it's a really beautiful gift to be able to share within the family. Cool. So maybe we'll put the link to your mom for anyone who this is like really bringing up something inside of themselves that they want to lean into. If she has a website or something, we can put that in the show notes along with your information. Um, huh, I'm just feeling into if there's anything else around this because breath work is so powerful, but I don't think I've ever done this particular rebirthing style. So I think it's something that, um, I would be intrigued to look into as well. So, okay. So I'm starting to get the picture painted a little bit more that yes, little Florencia, little bright eyed, sparkling Florencia at a very young age was, yeah, the medicine of chance and of mantras was already in your blood and bones and veins and wafting through the house and breath works who you were already at a very young age. Yeah. Becoming less afraid of feeling and less afraid of facing, which, wow, what, uh, what a service that is for your entire life to begin to trust yourself at such a young age to go into that place. Can you pinpoint any other, um, and it might be hard because you are you, but are you aware of any other aspect of your life or yourself that you know having these spiritual practices at such a young age like has really helped you? Well, we moved from Argentina um, when I was 11 and coming to a new place where I didn't speak the language and you know the culture is very different than what it is in Argentina. It was very shocking to the system and naturally we go into that fight or flight mode so having these practices of coming into the connection to spirit really helped me understand how to feel safe in my own container and continue, you know, building my home through my temple, my, my body, my soul, and then beginning to go from the inside out rather than trying to fit in a certain situation, right, to, to feel safe. Oh, wow. And that's like such a, I mean... I almost say that's like the key to life is remembering, yeah, the the importance of the internal. And it's something that I preach like a broken record over and over again. Someone who really led a life um, that was based on external validations, you know, and basically my life as some who have listened to other episodes, I really haven't gone in depth about it, but you've heard me touch upon, you know, the extreme athletics that I was involved in, you know, to the highest degree, national champion distance runner. And starting at two and a half, it just really built 
an energetic structure outside of me where my worth was predicated on, you know, winning and and medals and these things that are outside of the internal me. Um, So I really, once I started to awaken more and my body started to break down more after being a college athlete, I, I had to put in so many, many years of intense, deep work to just deconstruct that way and to remember the importance of the of the inner work because everything on the outside is is a reflection of our inside so i'm glad that you brought that up and gave me yet another chance to be a broken record yet again because the inner i mean the external is beautiful and i'm not trying to say one is like quote unquote better than the other but if you are avoiding your inner terrain and you know, have a sense inside of yourself that something just feels off or you feel confused or you feel lost or you just feel this fulfillment just seems to escape you, that it's just outside of your reach. You know, just know and remember that anything outside of you, anything that's like physically tangible is not going to be that treasure chest that allows you to finally embody that fulfillment or to, or to have that thing click in that allows the confusion to disintegrate it. it. The key always is to devote to inner practices and to open yourself up to being guided to whatever spiritual or, or consciousness practices. Um, that's always 100% where it's at. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I find that there's you know, a lot of training that comes in. Uh, I work a lot with the Mayan community from Guatemala. I study under the Mayan Sutuhil community and, you know, they talk a lot about how when we have a mission, they care, they work with a sacred calendar known as the Cholquich. And within this, there's 20 energies that move through the cosmos. And when we are born, we carry a connection, a relationship with a, one of these Nahuales really with all of them, but one of them is the one that is guiding our mission and allowing us to understand our purpose. And when we carry this mission, we need to be prepared to take that on. I think most of us have had intense experiences throughout our lifetime, but these processes are a training ground. And I feel like when we can begin to see them for the gifts that they are at their essence, regardless of how challenging they are, we can then begin to understand what tools we carry and not try to run away from them. And when we work from within, then we can see that, we can feel it because our spirit knows. But when we live just from the outside world, it's very challenging to see how such intense experiences you know, can, can actually be beneficial. Mm, that's so beautiful. And you know, before I hit the record button when we were both together doing our prayers and setting our intentions for this interview, this ceremony circle time, you wove in some of that Mayan Cosmovision. And um, I actually would love if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about today's energy. And even though by the time this airs, the energy that you're sharing will have been today's and not the day that airs. I think it will allow people to open up a little bit to what Mayan Cosmovision is and anything you want to share around those studies that you partake in. Absolutely. Thank you for creating that space. I find that this calendar is a really powerful technology that allows us 
to understand how to move between the worlds. The Cosmovision, vision of the cosmos is very much reflected into our human experience. And when we can understand how these energies are guiding us, it can begin to weave in some of the teachings from what we would consider the invisible world, right? The natural world. These energies are a calendar of 260 days, which is a reflection of the human gestation. It's the time that we are in the womb of our mother. And with these um, energies, we can begin to understand all of the lessons, the teachings that are there for us to continue living in the rhythms of nature and also in the rhythms between the physical material worlds and also the natural world, the spirit world. So the energy of today is known as Ish, and Ish represents the sacred altars. It represents the jaguar spirit. Oh, per, of course we have the interview today. Hello. Okay. For those who don't aren't aware, that is my core power animal. That is my main main spirit ally in the animal realm. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. And that's the thing about these Nawales. When I started working with them, I never realized how much they are actually guiding the way. And I'll choose like a specific Gregorian day to do certain activities. And they always match with what the energy is wanting to be guiding. And I find that these kind of spaces that you are creating and so many amazing leaders are creating are spaces for us and opportunities for us to understand how do we continue walking in sacred reciprocity, understanding how do we give back in gratitude for everything that we are receiving not just materially, but also these teachings that have been protected and guarding and guarded by so many uh, indigenous communities. And so each representing the sacred altars and the sacred sites, these are doorways to connect to the spirit world and to the world of dreams. And I think each is also reminding us to give offerings to the land for mm. giving gratitude, right? And, and acknowledging that she's a living spirit. Oh my gosh, honestly, I'm just, I'm really cracking out because like, I mean, we already touched upon the Jaguar significance, but one of my favorite things is giving land offerings. In fact, I have felt this thing building inside of my being for the last year and a half. And I, I have not been able to put my finger on it. Typically, like I'll have an awareness of what offering I need to do next, or I'll get a download and, oh, this is what I'm to do next. And I live by the calls. But whatever this thing is, that's just been growing and growing and growing for a year and a half. I still haven't been able to put my finger on it. However, I got a poster board out, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And I was just like, maybe if I just start to, you know, stream of consciousness, right, maybe whatever this thing is will reveal. And one of the possibilities of what I felt in my heart, I am to teach more about is land offerings and, you know, how to do it and how I do it intuitively. And, you know, so we can just give maybe each one little example, if this is speaking to people. So for me, let's see which one I want to give. Um, Cause I love communing with the land, right? I love if I'm, you know, going to go out in Joshua tree for a weekend and stay, or, or even the land that Luke and I have here that of course we don't, I mean, we bought it, but it's not ours, of course, uh, but it's the land that our house that we now 
purchased lives on. You know, I went out in that yard and really call for the the love and light guardians. And I love to, you know, get down on my hands and knees and put my left ear directly to great mother earth and, you know, thank her and send heart energy and, and love and, and whatever nurturing I can give back to directly to her. And then I'll ask her questions and, and I'll ask the love and light guardian questions and and I'll also, you know, just observe, you know, there's one particular tree that I know is the guardian of our land and I'll go to that tree and and put my hands on it and hug it and ask to receive whatever wisdom it may want to provide to me. Um, I also made some uh, Agua de Florida, some, some Florida water from, you know, using items from the land and so those are some examples of, of how you can commune. But when I was doing these processes for our new place here in Texas, I allowed the land to tell me what offerings it would like. And it was um, sacred tobacco and some rose petals and I believe some marigold and cedar. So I then gathered those items and went back, you know, and sang and drummed and said my prayers and, and provided these offerings to the land. So that's one example. And I would love if you have any one you could share with listeners too. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think tobacco is a really powerful one because most indigenous nations connect with cacao and I mean with well, cacao as well, but <laughs> with tobacco, I, I find that cacao for me is a really powerful offering because I work with that spirit a lot and I receive a lot of teachings and understandings. So to offer her back to the land, I think is really important. But I think what you shared is also a really, really powerful lesson of asking the land what she is needing in this time. And depending on where we reside in the world, what are the flowers and the plants that grow in that area of the world? Because that's the language that that part of the land understands. Burning incense is also a really powerful offering because it goes directly to the creator and the former of life. It goes directly to the ancestors. So burning cedar, copal, palo santo as well. But palo santo is a tricky one because that is a tree that is usually, traditionally it's grown and it's you know given offerings to while it's developing. And once the tree is ready to go and transcend, that's when you know, the indigenous communities would chop it and use it as an offering. But nowadays there's a lot of the, the Palo Santo that's being cut early and it's not fully developing and it's not given offerings. So this understanding of sacred reciprocity is taken away. So I think it's, it's important to not just focus on what we're offering, but what is the quality of what we're offering? Yes, very good point there. And um, while we're still in the Maya and Cosmo vision orb of our discussion, do you or does someone that you know, like, because what's coming up for me personally is I would love to have some sort of a reading around this. I want to know based upon, you know, the, the time that I was born, because I don't think I've, hmm, 
I'm wondering if I've ever had it done, but I feel like I would remember. I'm remembering someone who did this offering in a shamanic community I was a part of when I lived in Brooklyn for 15 years, which I'm still a part of the community. I just don't live there anymore, but I don't think I ever did the work with her. So do you or does someone you know offer that where you can really look into that time of birth and share some insight? Yeah, I I definitely do it to my close friends and you know when people feel that they're needing that and they feel that I can carry that medicine, I'm not an Achkech. The Achkech is the spiritual mind guide that is only of the lineage of Maya. I have been studying um, with the community for a long time and I'm very aware of the teachings, but I find that for when someone wants to do a reading, I love to bring them directly to my teacher and that's Nana Marina Cruz. So I'm more than happy if anybody feels called to, I can be the translator for that and, and help them, you know, connect with her directly. I think with these teachings, whenever possible, it's really profound to be able to go directly to the source and the guardians of those, that wisdom. Absolutely. And I, yet again, love that we're going into this because I think this is something that comes up for a lot of people is, you know, cause I get DMS and emails about this a lot. I think in people's heart of hearts, you know, they would prefer that, but it's like, there's such a gap in between that preference that they feel in their heart and like actually knowing where the heck to go, you know? So I think that, I mean, you and I do so many different layers and levels of work, but the fact that we are both bridges in different ways, of course, but that's so generous of you to even offer because you even had to do that with one of the contributors for my animal power book, Juan, you know, he, he's down literally in the middle of the Amazon, you know, in the jungle and, you know, his family had, we had to wait a little while for him to trek back <laughs> through the jungle to get onto, um, the FaceTime call or whatever, whatever we were even doing that day. And then, you know, Spanish is, is not even his first language or yours, but yet that was the common language that you two shared. So you're having to translate for me what he's sharing about the tiger and um, that just you, you generously offering to be the translator brought that memory back up for me. So that's so kind that you offer that. Um, because yeah, I know that it definitely speaks to me and I've been able to share space a little bit with your teacher, but I did not know that she specifically did that work. So I'm learning a lot today. Yeah. And I, that's actually a very interesting point that you're bringing up of, you know, the gap between these worlds. And for a long time, you know, I wanted to hide behind my teachers. And I think that was what was needed at that time because I needed to learn but a lot of what's coming up right now is, you know, there's a lot of people doing cacao and some are doing a beautiful job in sharing the medicine and some, because they didn't have the resources to understand how do you honor the medicine properly, are just bringing it out to the world in the best way that they can. But in that process, there's a lot of cultural appropriation taking place and a lot of lack of knowledge. So, um, you know, that's one of the things that has been coming up for me of, at what point do we hinder ourselves because we feel like we're not of the lineage? So who am I to share that? But when 
the teachers and the guides have opened the door in that way. And they have guided us into understanding how to carry the medicine with honor and respect and understanding the sacred reciprocity that we've been talking about. That is now a responsibility to also observe if there's a lack of resources of how to share this medicine, how do we become the stewards of that? So I love that this is coming up because, you know, I've been working on whether do I open that space or do I continue becoming the bridge, but it's a lot for, for the elders to take on so many people. And so how do we become the doorway and the access point to prepare people enough so then when they arrive with the elders, there's enough awareness to how to communicate and receive you know, the wisdom that we may not have, but they already carry. Yeah, my gosh, we're, I mean, I feel like we need to continue down this river a little bit. We could go into so many different directions. So let me just tune in to what question is coming up around what we're talking about next. Stand by, I'm just feeling in. So I guess I'm curious for you, what exactly is coming up for you around that? Because I know that you have had a course, like an online course, but is what is coming up for you currently something that's different? If you can just elaborate a little bit more to our, to share what you're experiencing around this particular piece, are you pondering, um, you know, making it more specific, of course, saying it in a very kind way, but like articulating the awareness you're seeing of the growing interest and leaning into working with the spirit of cacao. You're aware of the growing interest and you're also deeply aware of the honoring ways in which these circles should be um, facilitated and anchored and things like that. And so you're offering now this um, event or workshop or a course or, or whatever, so that those who really want to lean into the rooted ancient indigenous ways, this can be a preparation for that. Yeah. I love this question. So in the Maya Cosmovision, when you are in Achkich and you receive the staff of wisdom um, or your initiation, you know, you are understanding that this is a lifetime journey. We are students of life. And I find that in our modern society, it's kind of backwards. It's like, oh, you get a certification that tells you you have finished whatever it is that you've accomplished, right? But for the Mayas, this is just the beginning of your path. And so you've received the tools, but now you have to begin to really observe how you're receiving the lessons. So with that, I, I had a program in the past that was opening the doorway for people to understand how to walk this path. And then I felt for a while I went in as just like you were, you were sharing about, you know, going in and writing about the book, I needed to understand how do we get the modern world to really understand this process, right? That you can do a journey of eight weeks of eight weeks to, you know, understand a plant or get to know the tools necessary. But how do we get people to continue walking that and also giving them the right journeys and the right paths so they have access to those tools. So 
what I've been working on right now is one is this access point again, kind of fine tuning the initiation process of giving everyone the tools that are necessary, but also connecting with other pioneers in the field of how do they open the door to all of these ways in a way that's respectful to the tradition and going right to the source. And I'm also working with an indigenous elder from the Zapata Nation, from the Amazon. It's an apprenticeship program on how to walk the path of love. And I find that love in our society is seen as this intimate connection, and it's definitely a part of that. But we have forgotten that love is a state of being, and it's a frequency. And so it's, again, a life path. So how do we continue walking in this process of love, of building relationships with all living beings, all living spirits? There's actually, in the Constitution of Ecuador, there's a point that says that the land has the right to exist. It's called rights of nature. And that means that all living beings have the right to exist, both seen and unseen. And so how do we begin to implement that as a society? And what's been coming up for me a lot is not just preaching about it, but how do we give people the tools to understand it and begin to embody that? Oh my gosh, girl, we could have a 10-hour <laughs> podcast just on that last little, and by little, I mean uh, infinitely large thread that you just shared. I, I got so many downloads at once. It's like I'm trying to track which one I want to go into next. Um, one, I'll just touch on the love part. I was just at a birthday party this past weekend, and another woman who I just met that weekend, we were just chatting which I was in my leopard jumpsuit and she was in this like all tiger print outfit. And she came up to me and she's like, I'm aware of you from Instagram. And I actually did one of your power animal guided shamanic journeys. And I'm remembering in this moment in that journey, it was the tiger that came forward and we were meeting for the first time unexpectedly. And she was an all tiger and I was in a spotted leopard. Um, I love that. Yeah, it was very funny. But what we were talking about was the path of the heart and love and how, you know, we were just kind of laughing that if, if we all just set the intention to have our focus for life being opening our heart, tending to our heart, nurturing, healing, cleansing, clearing, connecting, becoming at one with the intelligence and intuition of our heart. Or for me, it was more about unconditional love, like really allowing myself to be at one and be in full embodiment of unconditional love of self and all others. If we have that be the way we need for nothing else, there is no need for anything else because we are already unconditional love and we are already heart and there's nothing we need beyond that, you know? And so we were just, I don't know, we we're at this party in our out in our animal outfits, just like laughing, talking about that. That was just a small sliver that I wanted to bring up. That brings a really good point. And the Sapara, so the Sapara is an indigenous community in the Amazon. They are in risk of extinction. There's 560 of their people left. And so they're doing a lot of work in sharing their messages and you know, their ancient tradition to the mainstream, to the world. So they understand that they may have just a few generations left, but they want the wisdom to continue on. And so their story of creation talks about how 
there was a division that happened in the spirit world. So this physical reality needed to manifest so we can understand where the division came from. And as we were created as human beings, one of the spirits that created us shared what happens, how do we get them to be guided, right? Like how do they follow the instructions? And the other spirit shares that it's through the world of dreams. It's through the spirit world that we can remember the sacred instructions. So I find that all of these tools that we use, as we mentioned breath, we mentioned cacao, we mentioned tobacco, all of these sacred plants and the animal spirits, they're all the sacred instructions that bring us back to what you're saying, the path of love. Hmm. Mm. I feel the the hair on my arms is is up and I have the divine tingles as I call them. Hey, beautiful soul fam. I just want to take a moment to remind you that the biggest project of my entire career, my first book, Animal Power, is now available. This book is truly lifetimes in the making, and this lifetime I worked on it for over four years. So needless to say, I am very honored and excited that it is now available to be in your home and the homes of your friends. It's so thrilling. Animal Power Book is brimming with 100 different vibrant animal illustrations, transformative practices, and captivating stories from around the world. It is an enlightening guide to the power of the animal realm and how they bring peace, healing, and empowerment to your life. It is truly such a powerful and loving medicine book. My life was completely transformed by working with power animals. And it was actually them who came to me and asked me to co-create this very book with them. And the art for each of the 100 animals is stunning and vibrant and embodied. The artist, William Santiago of Brazil, actually passed away at the young age of 30 right after completing the works of art held in animal power. So I want to honor and thank him for sharing his legacy within these pages. You can go and get your copy of Animal Power and a copy for your friends and family. It's available everywhere books are sold. But if you get it now at my website, which is allisoncharles.com backslash animal power, you will get a free video guided shamanic journey facilitated by me where you will meet your current power animal. It is a perfect gift. So any animal or spirituality lovers out there, you know you can grab a copy of Animal Power for them for their birthday, Halloween, Christmas, etc. So much love, Soul Fam. And to all of you who have already purchased your copy, thank you with all of my heart for your support. Animal Power Book has regularly been the number one new release on Amazon. I could not be more grateful. And so I do want to go a little, another pathway in though, gosh, around, hmm, (laughs) it's such a big topic, but it's around something around what you were sharing about that, (laughs) And, and it's part of the premise of ceremony circle. It's to have people remember that, that life is ceremony, that it's not a thing separate from us or separate from this podcast or separate from now. It, it is it that, that life is ceremony and that, that ceremony is the path and that it never ends. And, and once you start to lean into that more and more, you start to understand, yeah, you just become at one with the oneness 
of all that is. And you just start to remember that it's all an exploration and it's all about inquiry and it's all about evolving and, you know, being humble enough to learn and, and also remembering to have humor enough to, to chuckle at your stumbles and not beat yourself up over it. And that it's just, it's all perfect. And it's, yeah, it's, it's all a part of the, the earth walk. And, and my favorite thing is, is connecting to the unseen realms and, and teaching people ways to, um, learn how to peer, peer into those ways again, and to have that curtain that perhaps, um, was maybe previously a little bit thick that they feel was separating their human being from said unseen realms, allowing that curtain to dissolve more and more so that that communing with the oneness um, is always there, always accessible. And I know I'm just kind of downloading and, and channeling at the moment, and I don't know what's coming up for you, but I think that you just touched on a really good point because I have to be honest, you know, sometimes when certain criticisms come in around like, and I don't want to put it on, on you because I don't know if you've had this experience, but, um, you know, certain ways of, of being a quote unquote public figure and also a spiritual teacher, it's not easy work because those of us who are really, um, anchored into integrity and understand the responsibility of, of doing this work, we're always refining and fine tuning and attuning and always keeping ourselves in check. Um, but to be these, these bridges and to unlock these doorways for the modern world and for the mainstream, especially here in the U.S., while also being anchored into that responsibility and integrity, it's a massive undertaking that is infinite layers, threads, and levels thick. And because the world is at such a big evolutionary point, and we are also evolving every moment of every day. Like I, I was given the instruction by divine a couple months ago to completely stop my online course. And I had to heed that it was unexpected. I thought that course would live on for years. So powerful. I gave every ounce of my heart and being and soul into it. But I, I listened, it, I was clear download one weekend and I was like, okay. And so it is. And so that course is done. What that was serving at that point in time, which I thought would carry on for a lot longer is now done and complete. So I don't know what's coming up for you, um, but you know, I guess I'll just give the invitation now for those listening. Let me hear what the invitation is. Stand by. If you feel in your heart, the way I feel it in my heart, even as we're just having this conversation, if you feel in your heart that what we're talking about resonates and is of truth for your soul then I open up the doorway of invitation for you right now to allow the invitation for you to have the spiritual way to, to have the divine yet anchored into great mother earth connection point into the spiritual world and into the unseen realms to have it be as much a part of your earth walk as 
the earthly side, I invite you to let those curtains open and in whatever way feels right to you to communicate to your own being. I hear that this resonates and, and I'm ready to allow this path being the way forevermore to begin to awaken inside of me and, and to begin to inform me more and more. And I feel like there's just also this importance of making sure that you're also saying um, that in opening up this gateway that you are completely connected into purest source consciousness divine and and only that and i feel like there's one more thing trying to come in one second and not only communicating this this readiness of this pathway being forever the pathway to open up within your own being and soul but in the way that feels right to you and to whoever you commune with for me rock star shaman i connect directly rock great mother earth and star source consciousness great spirit and the divine wisdom love and truth that is me that that's my vertical line that's my connection point that's my saving grace being with god goddess at all times and surrendering with god goddess at all times so for you and whoever you connect with and communicate with if you feel this readiness, communicating that readiness to your helpers and your guides in the unseen realms and the spirit world as well. That is such a beautiful message. And it, I can really relate to what you're sharing regarding, you know, this process of putting your course at rest. That's exactly uh, what I was sharing earlier, that for a while it was like, no, it's not my time right now to go and continue, um, you know, helping people facilitate ceremonies. My time right now is to go within and begin to reflect. And in that period, it felt like I'm no longer doing facilitator trainings, but it was really actually a process of gestation. And the earth goes through this, you know, in the, in the Mayan calendar, there's a calendar known as the Wayeb, which is known as time out of time. It's a five-day period where the land is going from the harvest process to then going into the new cycle of planting the seeds. And in that process, the land is receiving the nourishment it needs for the new cycle. And the elders gather in ceremony. We gather around the sacred fire and reflect what lessons that we received from this last cycle. What are the teachings? What do we need to ask forgiveness for? And not to shame ourselves and put guilt but understand the lessons. And from there, how do we prepare for the next cycle to come? So I find that now I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. I received all the new tools. I'm understanding now what the world is needing. And before the pandemic, the spirit of cacao needed to be guided in a certain direction because the teachings were different. So as I went through this process of gestation, maybe this is also something that you were going through as well. Like, we're not here to tell people how to move through the world. We're here to serve. So in this process of going in and connecting with spirit, we're able to understand what are the teachings that we can channel and support the world through and who are the spirits that we are needing to connect in this moment and time to offer the lessons through us because we are just vehicles for these messages and these teachings to come through. 
and help others remember their own medicine because we each one of us carries medicine within. So all of these tools, all of these teachings, they're bringing us back to remember the medicine that we, that we carry. Medicine for the indigenous nations is the alignment of body, mind, and spirit. So, you know, it could be plants are, that are medicine, but music is medicine. For some people, this conversation that you and I are having is medicine, right? So how do we continue bringing the right medicines through so we can heal as humanity, but also support the earth mother to continue her healing process from the wounds that we have unfortunately put upon her in our process of growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Aho. And that's why surrender is so important. And I thought that was the book I initially started to write before the animals came to me and said, Err, you know, put a park that one over on the side, great idea and all, but you're, you're writing with us. Um, and so thus animal power was born, but I, my first book was a book on surrender and that is to me a paramount part in all of this because it, it goes with everything you just shared because I, I'm in a state of non-attachment. I, like you said, we are the instruments, the conduits, the, the vehicles for whatever transmissions, medicines, me- messages, guidance to move through us to be of highest, greatest service. And that's always my surrender prayer. And that's always my intention. And that's why I'm able to trust so much. And that's why I live with so much peace because I trust my connection point to God, goddess and great mother earth. I trust the instructions that come in and I live by that. And it really can be that easy and that simple. I know it also can sound quite challenging, but once you get the hang of it and see the miracles that you that are bestowed upon you and and, and the way that you can be of service in that way. But yeah, and, and that's that's where the beauty of of seeing like, okay, at that point, that was the medicine and teaching that was needed and, and no longer. So I'm curious with your readiness now to be more out of that gestation period. Um, and it sounded like there were some new awarenesses that came in around cacao. And, and now I think we can go into the, the cacao portion of this because that's really the heart of uh, the premise of this, this interview and why I really called upon you as a sister to join me in Ceremony Circle because you know, I know that this is a big part of your earth walk. This lifetime is, is communing with and learning and honoring um, the spirit specifically of cacao. So I just want to cover as much as we can, and I'll just let you start wherever you want to start. Yeah. One of the things that my teacher has shared with me, you know, for us of us who are new to cacao, cacao, it was known as the medicine of the heart. And on a physical level, it's opening up the blood vessels, stimulating blood flow. So there are physical components to the cacao that is bringing us back to the heart space. But uh, energetically as well is known as the medicine of love that allows us to connect to that divinity and that radiance that resides within our hearts. And as we often hear about the heart opening experience, what my teacher shares with me is that it's important to open our hearts. What, what is it that we're doing when we open our hearts in this way? And so I find that the teachings that are coming through right now is understanding how do we activate our mission for being here, our purpose for being here, and begin to really live that truth through the creative process. And using cacao as a medicine, as a, as a teacher, as a guide, 
to activate our own journey. And a lot of what is coming through is, is really beginning to embody, as we've been talking about, this essence of unconditional love. My teacher's father, who was also a big teacher for me, recently transcended. And I've learned so much through this process of having him reach the other side. His biggest phrase was, um, pase lo que pase, todo siempre con amor. Whatever happens, everything always with love. And I find that through connecting with cacao, I begin to truly understand, getting a glimpse of what that actually represents. But how do we embody that? And that's what's been coming up for me with cacao. Sitting with this medicine, you know, has been really helping me understand the connection to my roots and the connection to um, the indigenous ways of how they live, as I mentioned, in sacred reciprocity with the land, understanding that earth, water, fire, air, these energies are essential for our existence. They move within us and outside of us. And the moment that we continue honoring and respecting these energies, we can find that respect and that reverence for ourselves and the collective. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, for anyone who is new to the beautiful land of cacao, I'll let Florencia explain it because perhaps you have never experienced it yourself. Perhaps you don't even know what it looks like. But Florencia has been very blessed and fortunate to spend time where cacao originates on the sacred lands and farms where it has come from. So for those who are like literally maybe even hearing the word for the first time, can you explain a little bit about this incredible plant? Yes. So cacao is chocolate in its purest form. And cacao has been used in ritual and ceremony since the beginning of time. Before it was made into chocolate, it was often used in ritual and ceremony by many indigenous nations, mostly in Mesoamerica. Originally, it comes from the Amazon and through the trading system, it it reached um, Central America, such as Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, um, El Salvador, and then it continued being distributed in different parts of the world. But many indigenous communities, such as the Aztecs, the Olmecs, the Mayas, um, they've been working with cacao and understanding that it's a sacred food. And it's often used as an offering um, in places of ceremony and, as I mentioned, rituals and celebrations. So I'm curious from you, I have um, been really fortunate to meet cacao and like it's pure, like it's still in the pod. Is a pod the right word? What is the word for it? Where Okay. So it, um, man, I wish podcasts were visual. Uh, <laughs> so it's, um, maybe I'll have in my show notes, someone attach an image of one, but when you open it up, there's like these white, they're not chewy or gooey. It's just so unique to see cacao and it's raw, pure form. So back in the day when, um, in Mesoamerica, when they used to do offerings with it or rituals, was it in this pure form or had they at that point learned how to, um, you know, go through the processes to put it into cacao paste or anything like that? Yeah, they would have it as a beverage. So when cacao 
is grown, as you mentioned, it's a fruit that carries about 30 to 50 beans and it has this white pulp that it's very interesting because when you have a meditation dose, it's usually about 30 grams of cacao. A full ceremonial dose will be anywhere from 40 to 50 grams. And a fruit of cacao carries between 30 to 50 grams of cacao. So the medicine has been giving us all of the instructions from the moment that is offered to us. So the way that it's done, once you harvest the fruit, you ferment it for three to seven days, you dry it, and then you roast it. For the Mayas, when you're roasting the cacao, the smoke that is offered to the air, the wind, it becomes an offering to the creator and the former of life, as I mentioned earlier, to the creator and the former of the universe and to our ancestors. So that is the first offering that we are given. Once you peel the cacao, you get the husk that sometimes can be used as a tea, but the community that I work with, the Mayan Sutuhil, they use it as uh, an offering for the sacred fire. For them, the sacred fire is the vehicle, the channel of communication between the physical world and the spirit world. Beautiful. And so can you also just round out that experience of after you roast the beans, then, um, cause I was watching some of your videos and there was actually this beautiful instrument. What was it like the Molo, Molo, how do you say that? Molinillo. Mol, molo, say it again. Molly. Molly. Neo. Neo. Molly Neo. That was such a beautiful instrument. And so after the beans are roasted, what next? And when does the molo, I don't even know how to say it. I forget it already. When do you use that? Um, so you roast the, the beans, you kill them, and then you macerate them. You use this beautiful stone that has, in the Maya tradition, it usually has three legs representing the earth, the sun, and the moon. So you usually have the fire underneath and that allows it to become a paste. Once you have the paste, you put it into water and that's when you use the molinillo. It's like a whisk that um, mixes the water and, and the cacao paste itself. And once again, we have the steam that is another offering for the energies that sustain us. In the Maya Cosmovision, there's the Book of Creation known as the Popol Vuh. It's a whole nother, like probably five podcasts long if we went into the story. But within the Book of Creation, there's a tree of life that the Maya Sutuhil reflected back as the cacao tree. And then the process of making the cacao and making it into a beverage is also can be reflected back into part of this creation story. So for them, it's very much woven into, as you mentioned, you know, ceremony is a lifestyle. So it was very much connected to nurturing the physical body, but also nurturing the spirit. Mm. And so also a helpful tip, Florencia and her brother have co-founded a cacao uh, brand business called Cacao Laboratory, where you can get your own cacao from them. And I know you have different types of cacao, but some of them represent the elements. Um, I definitely have had the air and fire, I believe. 
Um, but I've also been blessed with one of your giant <laughs> bricks of it um, because I was uh, working with it um, at a retreat. I, I next would love for you to share with people some of those do's and don'ts because, um, you know, as you alluded to at the beginning of the interview, even with people with good intentions, you've you've been witnessing some ways that perhaps are not the most integrated or connected back into um, the indigenous traditions or ways of working with sacred cacao. Um, so for those who might want to go get some of your cacao and start to work with it, what's a good starting point in terms of ways, uh, especially if they want to do like their own morning ceremony or, or ritual with it, and also um, like a recipe that you could recommend. I personally like to keep mine super simple. I personally don't put any sweetener, like not even honey in mine. I'll just let my intuition guide me. Sometimes I'll put a little bit of um, orange peel or cinnamon in it, or maybe just the cacao and a little bit of sea salt. Like I, for some reason, just like to keep it super simple, um, but whatever recipe you would like to recommend. Beautiful. Thank you for, for bringing that in. We have the four elements and each one of the elements actually has an instructions on how to create your own sacred space, how to make the cacao. And there's also a guided sound meditation connected to each element. And the smaller bars also have a space for you to write your own intentions mm. and share an invocation as well. So if you are new to cacao and you needed some guidance, I definitely recommend working with the smaller bars. But it's important to, as we talked about, setting an intention, understanding why you're working with the plant. And it could be as simple as I want to open my heart. It could be as simple as I want to activate my creativity. But that intention is creating a commitment to the relationship that you're opening with cacao. One of my favorite recipes, I also love to keep it super simple because I find that the simplicity allows you to really find the purity to the connection of cacao. But I love to put rose into the cacao. I find that that's also a heart medicine. And adding a little bit of chili also activates the cacao. Mm. Traditionally, cacao... Uh, it was mixed depending on the different trees that were grown or different plants that were grown around where the cacao was grown. So if you were to go to the north of Guatemala, where cardamom is used as one of the shading trees for the development of cacao, they often use cardamom and chili in their recipes. If you go to the coast of Guatemala, where the Mayan Sutihil are, they use patashte, which is another form of cacao, into the cacao itself. That's so funny. I totally forgot. I used to use cardamom on the regular. And since I moved from Brooklyn to LA and then LA down here to Texas all in the past year and a half, I haven't had cardamom in this temporary kitchen in this house um, that we're in right now. And I totally forgot that's interesting. Um, that was very intuitively led to, to sprinkling that in. That's, that's good to know. You know, where did the calling for you to work with cacao in the way that you do, when did that first start to open up inside of you? So I'm from the Patagonia region of Argentina. It's a small town called Bariloche, and it's a huge chocolate town. 
definitely not the cacao, especially not ceremonial cacao, but I always had this like deep love for chocolate. And when I went to Guatemala to do a metaphysics training on lucid dreaming and astral projection, so meaning going deeper into states of meditation and being awake within the dream space, I did my first cacao ceremony and it just activated me so much. I felt so at home and I felt so clear. I felt so free. And I got a download that I wanted to start doing ceremonies. It, it didn't feel like cacao at that time, but I knew that I wanted to facilitate ceremonies and that my brother would be supporting me through that process. I thought that we would be facilitating ceremonies together but it ended up being that cacao was calling me in. And so a year later, I started feeling really called to go deeper into the connection to cacao. And I asked my brother to join me and, and start bringing you know, cacao to New York. At that time, there was nobody really, I think there was one other brand that was bringing cacao from, you know, ceremonial cacao from these areas. And I was just imagining having enough cacao for my friends and maybe doing small rituals. But my brother is a big entrepreneur and he wanted to just bring it to the world. He's like, his heart was open and he was ready to bring it to the world. So during our first trip to Guatemala together, so that was my second time being there, we went to a farm in Alta Verapaz in Copan, in Coban, which is a little bit more north than where I normally go. And in this farm, we connected with an amazing filmmaker who did our documentary. Really well done, by the way. I watched that. Really good. Yeah, it's amazing because within 10 minutes, you really get an understanding of why cacao is so sacred. And for those of you um, listening, you will also be able to meet through the documentary two of Florencia's teachers who she's been referencing in our chat today. Yeah. So the documentary is called Cacao Food of the Gods, and you can find it on our website, but you can also find it on YouTube. And when we met the filmmaker, we also met Nana Marina, and then we were brought to her house, and that's where I met Tata Pedro. So it's very interesting because I find that I made a commitment the first time I was in Guatemala. My spirit made a commitment of saying, Yes, I, I know that ceremony is something that I'm committing to. I didn't know how to facilitate ceremonies. It doesn't come from you know, my family dynamics. And I wasn't aware of all the powers of cacao yet. But I feel like as my spirit made that commitment, that's when my teacher showed up and all of the tools that I needed in order to be strong in my, in my path and in my truth they showed up because I made that commitment. Mm. And that's bringing me back now full circle to what we were talking about earlier on about opening up that invitation. And of course, only, you know, if that is resonating and, and you're feeling like it's time to do that, but that is the power of what happens when you do allow that curtain to open and you communicate to your own soul and being and communicate to um, the loving helpers and the unseen realms, your readiness to become one with all that is, that's just one example of, of what can then enter in. You know, Florencia was then put into divine alignment with these incredible indigenous teachers, and it allowed the pathway of her 
earth mission and her spiritual calling to all come together as one and it birthed this incredible conscious brand and and community and everything can really open up for you from there and you'll be in total divine alignment which allows you to feel that fulfillment and peace and love and all of those things yeah and our biggest dream with cacao lab with my brother has been to create a system within the system so really begin to educate society that we get to choose it's not just you know the political leaders that are being voted once every four years but really we're choosing and we're voting with everything that we consume and as visionaries sometimes it can be really draining to focus on trying to change the whole world but i find that through working with cacao lab we've had the opportunity of focusing on all the different aspects of life from the connection to the land by working with agroforestry systems and working directly with small family farms and helping these communities that normally don't have access to the mainstream to be able to share their story all the way up to educating the consumer on how to create sacred reciprocity in their lives and taking these moments of stillness and silence to begin to listen to the true messages that are coming from within. Mm, so good. And I love that on your packaging that you make it so easy to, to, you know, to be that bridge. You, you have the reminder, you can write your intention because that is an absolutely vital step in any cacao ceremony is yeah, really connecting with your heart and your soul and, and, and asking yourself, asking your own being, asking your own heart, you know, what, what do you need today? Or, or how can I be of greatest service for the world? Whatever that uh, question to get clear on your intention is. Um, so I love that that's on the package and that you can go directly to the link to tune into the meditation or the sound healing, what, whatever that link takes you to. Um, and that depending upon the element that calls to you the most, um, you set a specific instruction of how to best do the ritual. So you really are making it as easy as possible for people that want to, to do it in an honoring way to do it that way. Thank you. Thank you for seeing that. It's been really amazing to be able to use our different tools and just creative outlets to find how do we give all of the tools necessary to activate people to get curious. You know, it's not so much about telling people what to eat or how to drink or, you know, how to be a good human, but how do they find that remembrance as we were talking about earlier themselves and just creating a safe container from the experience all the way to the product so they can really find that voice within themselves. Mm -hmm. And before we um, start to wrap things up, I would love for you to reflect a little bit. So with two of your teachers, Nana Marina and Tata Pedro Cruz, um, you know, I know you have spent a lot of time with them and learned a lot from them. Just share anything that comes up for you, an experience, a ceremony that you feel in safe space to, to share with us, a ceremonial experience you had with them, a funny memory. Um, yeah, it's something they've taught you, just whatever is coming up inside um, your time spent with them. This is 
an interesting one because it's so new and, and, you know, it just happened that the past about a month ago. And although for us, death is seen as something that we're afraid of and we run away from, and it's not spoken about for, I think through the process of his transcendence, I learned really the value of life and the fragility of life and how to embody the process of gratitude. Tata was um, a walker for the peace and the heart of life. And this is something that he made his, his mission and his legacy. And he, as I mentioned earlier, really embodied the essence of love. And as he was transcending, there were a lot of messages that he offered to us. You know, I wasn't present for the, his last few days, but I was present from the moment that he passed until about two weeks um, of his passing. And it was really powerful to see how the indigenous nations understand that this is a process of transition where the family comes together. And although we honor our humanness and we find that connection to grief, it's also a process of celebration. So for nine days, the family is cooking and there's people coming to visit and they're bringing food and they're bringing prayers and songs and the fire is always lit. And for Tata's funeral, we are in a pandemic as we are recording this. And, you know, during his transcendence, there's also a lot of COVID happening in, in Guatemala. So there was a fair that was happening during that time and they canceled the fair due to COVID. But because Tata was so respected in his tradition, there was about 2,000 people walking the streets with us and burning copal, you, uh, working with tobacco, they smoke these really big cigars. And we were working with tobacco on the streets, which had not been seen in decades because there was so much oppression against the indigenous nations. The indigenous communities in Guatemala didn't have rights to practice their connection to the sacred fire until 1996. So during Tata's, you know, upbringing, he was kidnapped twice and tortured, and he never gave up on the sacred fire. He was so committed to his path that no matter what happened, he always showed up in gratitude for everything that he received. And one of his last days, he got up, one of his grandchildren brought him candles, and he got up and looked out the window where his sacred fire is. And he gave gratitude to the heart of this guy. And I'm going to tear up here a little bit. But he gave gratitude to the heart of the sky and the heart of the earth and the heart of the water and the heart of the fire and everything that he had received in his life. And until his last moment, he really embodied his teachings. And one of his last messages, he said, Mi misión maya cumplida. My mind mission is now completed. And that process of just knowing that there was still so much that he wanted to do. He wanted to write a book and he wanted this organization of the Walkers for the Peace and the Heart of Life to be an actual you know, organization and not something that they were walking and living, but really was respected globally. And yet he knew that his part of those seeds had been already planted and his part to and legacy to the world had already been done and now it was for the rest of us who would take on that commitment 
to continue his legacy. And through that process, we bring him back to life with every prayer that we invoke him in this acknowledgement right now, we bring him back to life. So I find that he's teaching us still so much about the process of unconditional love and letting go of judgment because the moment that I'm in that pathway of walking to the other side, I hope that I can feel that I've lived it all and there's no regrets that I'm bringing into my next lifetime, but I can fully live in gratitude and that reverence for the sacred path and that reverence for unconditional love. So that's definitely the biggest teaching that this family has, has given me. Hmm. So beautiful. Just taking a moment to honor him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely had a very strong energy and, and power and presence about him, even though he wasn't, you know, a, a really large uh, physically he was not a large man, um, but he had a strong presence. And even though we didn't speak the same language, I, I was able to share space with him a number of times. And I just really always appreciated and and respected him and yeah, really loved his his bright eyes and his bright spirit. So I'm so glad. Thank you so much for sharing that deep personal story and Ah, yeah, just bringing his embodiment and his teachings into this ceremony circle. And I do feel before we go into whatever brief ritual or ceremonial ceremonial offering that you have for us, if you could let us know for the Sapara Nation, you had mentioned that there are so few of them left, 500 and some, I believe you said. So what can we do? What can listeners do? to support? Thank you. This is a beautiful question. So yeah, there's about 560 of their people and there's less than four. uh, I believe there's three of them that still speak the Zapata language. Most of them speak Quechua. So um, there's one of the the younger members of the, the community is a filmmaker. He just started an organization called Dauna. T-A-W-A-N, and maybe we can link them here as well. But Dauna is a film organization that has three branches. One is to educate the youth within the Amazon on how to use cameras so they can do the process of activism from their own lenses. So if there's any outside companies that are coming in that shouldn't be in the territory, they can share that but also they can share the wisdom and their traditions from their own uh, knowledge and their own eyes. Uh, Another part of this uh, organization is to film about the Amazon and about their traditions. So us as outsiders, we can receive some of this wisdom. And the third branch is to bring back a lot of those films that they're creating to the communities. So they'll have movie nights in different parts of these villages and share the what the documents that they have are the films that they have documented because a lot of the times there will be a certain community or certain film production companies that go and film the communities 
but they never get to see those films. Mm. So this is a way of really bridging the worlds. And then another thing is that Manari Yoshiwa, who's my teacher, he's been doing these dream program courses. For the Sapara, they say that we live to dream and we dream to live. So for them, the dream space, Makihaunu, is just as real as this physical reality. Amen. <laughs> and I love that. Can you say that phrase one more time? To live is to, yeah, say that. We, we live to dream and we dream to live. So good. Yeah, they're, they're parallel realities. And this is a really powerful way to understand how to move through this physical reality. The Temple of Wisdom, Makihaunu, gives us all of the sacred instructions. So Manari has created this program to be able to give us the knowledge that for many generations, it was kept secret within their tradition. But now we have access to this cosmovision while also honoring our own traditions on how to activate the dreams from our perspective to be able to access this temple of wisdom and begin to walk this world from the perception of the heart and not so much the mind and the conditioning of the mind. Mm. And this offering that he has, um, how can people partake in it? The website, which I can also send for you to, to share, it's called Dream World Program. And uh, he does this every few months. It's usually done live. I'm the translator for the program, but Manari does all of the teachings. It's um, four weeks long where we get to learn about the four categories of dreams from the Sapara Nation. And then there's also space for interpretation. So he's not just giving us stuff to memorize, but he's giving us the tools so we can write our own manual within the dream space. So good. I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you so much for sharing that. And also for just all your devotion and the work that you do, sister. Okay. I feel like now is the perfect time to receive whatever ritual or ceremony you wish to bestow upon us and just let us know what we need to do to be in the best state to receive. Beautiful. So I say we just find a comfortable seated pose. If anyone that is listening to this podcast wants to work with cacao, maybe put this on pause and make a cup of cacao um, and then come back to us. I definitely recommend it. If you have a glass of water handy or just our hands can also be our connection to the heart space. Our hands are an extension of our hearts. So we can allow ourselves to find that connection by placing our hands onto the heart space or whatever beverage you are choosing to connect in this moment in time. And then we'll just close our eyes, feeling the crown of the head rooting up towards the heart of the sky and the sit bones deeply connected down to the heart of the earth. And just beginning to observe the rhythm of the heart space, this internal music unifying these two centers. As we've mentioned for many indigenous communities, cacao is understood as a sacred food that allows us to connect to the divinity, to the radiance that's within us. They also understand the universal language of earth, water, fire, air, these energies move within us and outside of us. 
So they're an extension of who we are. In the moment that we begin honoring and respecting these energies, we continue to honor and respect our own being, our own essence. So we give thanks to the element of earth for allowing us the stability, the foundation, the structure, the nourishment. Thank you for allowing us to rest our roots, explore the darkness, the shadow work, the mysteries of the unknown. It is through this exploration that we allow ourselves to move closer and closer towards the light. We give thanks to the element of water for the fluidity, the connections, the relationships, the change, the creativity. Thank you for allowing us to flow in the rhythm of change, letting us swim in the unlimited possibilities of creation. Finding the wisdom, the stillness, when the waters are tamed, knowing that this is just a play, it's a practice, or when the waters get rough. And even then, we continue finding the wisdom, the stillness, because we know that the clarity is waiting on the other side of the wave. Thank you to the element of fire for the passion, the courage, the strength, the transformation. Thank you for allowing us to burn all the toxins that lay in the physical body, in the emotional body, in the mental body, so we can transcend to the spiritual body. And as we move through the smoke, we connect deeper with the confidence that lays within. Thank you to the element of air for the openness, the vulnerability, the trust, the acceptance. Let's take a deep breath in together and find how the breath nourishes each and every cell of the body. Then as you exhale, find all that space that's created within you. It is through that space that we open our wings and we take flight. We take flight into those desires that we have for ourselves, knowing that these desires will bring us closer to the mission that we have in the here and now. Thank you to the essence, the spirit of cacao. Thank you for allowing us to dissolve all the barriers that we have set against ourselves so we can remember the language of the heart and begin to listen, but also speak from that space. Thank you to Nana Marina, to Tata Pedro, Manari, all the elders, all the ancestors that have passed on this wisdom from generation to generation, letting us take in the knowledge along with the experience so we too can share this wisdom with the rest of the world, becoming the leaders that we were born to be. Thank you to all the guardians and protectors of the sacred lands and those who have been protecting the fruit of cacao so we can enjoy her today. And also thank you to all the courageous voices that are speaking their truth and using their creativity and their platforms to bring forth the change that we've been calling in. Thank you, Allison, for creating this beautiful space, this powerful container, for allowing us to explore these practices, these traditions, these teachings, so we can begin to bring them to the world and continue walking the the sacred path. And thank you to you who is listening to this journey for 
allowing yourself to open the space, to open yourselves in the true listening, not just with your ears, but allowing your body to receive this wisdom and integrate it into your experience. Taking a deep breath in and a deep exhale. Taking a moment to set an intention, a purpose for your journey, for your day. And it could be a simple word that becomes your mantra throughout the day. Maybe it's a phrase, a question. And using the messages of the natural world, the messages of the land, the water, the wind, the birds, the, the spirits of the animals to give us the answer. We'll just take one more deep breath in together. And as we exhale, slowly opening the eyes, coming back to the space. So as we continue closing the space, those of us who did decide to make the cacao, I invite them once we finish with um, this conversation to take some time and journal on some of the reflections that resonated with their experience. Thank you so, so much, Allison, for creating such a beautiful space. It's an honor, sister, to be here with you and to walk alongside you. Oh, thank you so much. I love the earth realm, but it was really hard to, when you're like, now exhale and open your eyes. I was like, no, it's so nice in here. Oh gosh. Thank you for your kind words. So let me first receive those fully into my heart and being and cells. Thank you for always seeing me. You always have. I really, really, really appreciate that about you so much. Yes, you've always been so lovely and inviting me in to share my offerings and online events that you have done and different things you've done and you've so generously shared the medicine of cacao with me so I can share it with others. And again, thank you for your wisdom contribution to the Animal Power book. And it's also such an honor to walk the path with you, dear sister. I just, yes, love you so much. And oh, a couple of reflections in, um, in that time, in that uh, ceremonial space you just provided to us, had a lovely message come in. I am feminine flow and trust. I am feminine flow and trust. That was my heart message for me to embody even more deeply and remember. And it's just so nice to feel your words and, and that prayer. They're so anchored and grounded. And, you know, I've always seen you as a teacher. You've always, you know, been that to, 
you know, in, in my mind, you know, I, I, I've always seen you as that, but there was just a, an even greater depth and sense of groundedness and anchoredness and steadiness and readiness of you as a teacher right now. I felt it more than ever before. So I just wanted to, to speak that out loud as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for seeing me and, and for always also allowing me to, you know, continue weaving with you and co-creating with you. I'm constantly inspired by the work that you're bringing to the world. And as you mentioned, it's not easy to be walking, you know, the spirit world and also sharing it with the world in a way that's respectful and, you know, brings that reverence. So thank you for walking your path with so much clarity and, and so much authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So welcome, my greatest honor, truly. And oh, what a what a wonderful voyage we all just went on. Thank you, everyone, for sitting with Florencia and I. Yeah, there was a lot of wonderful waters. I feel like we just took a beautiful boat ride down down a cosmic river (laughs) together. So I will, of course, have, we mentioned sharing many links um, during our time together. So I will for sure have all of those in the show notes, which you can always find at my website, allisoncharles.com. And I also always do a weekly Instagram post sharing which episode is out, which um, I'm at, I am Allison Charles. So either one of those locations you will then find, um, you know, all the references. Um, I also always uh, tag Florencia, you know, in in the promotion and, and her website and her Instagram will be in the show notes. But is there anything left to share, Florencia, either about where people can find you or any last message around cacao and how to work with it? I would say checking out cacaolaboratory.com would definitely be the best way. We have a beautiful community that gathers from all over the world, which we had the blessing of receiving you as a guide for one of them. But we've been meeting throughout the whole pandemic. For the first three months, it was every day, and now it's twice a week. But it's a beautiful community of over 150 people. It's usually about 30 to 40 that gather at a time. And we share a lot of the conversations that we have here, you know, how to walk in a good way with a clear mind and open heart. How do we connect with the land, but also go deeper within ourselves. So it's a a space for us to explore and meet like-minded individuals that want to continue opening their hearts. Mm, So beautiful. All right. I'm just going to stay in these energies and waters. So thank you everyone for joining us and uh, hope to feel your presence in Ceremony Circle next time. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. 
please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.allisoncharles.com. That's www.allisoncharles.com. So that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point, Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred ceremony circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the ceremony circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.